Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hey everyone, so before today's podcast starts, I just want to give you a quick heads up. This was recorded right before the draft, and um, so obviously we didn't talk about the draft because neither my guests nor I are really experts on the draft, so I wanted to just focus on all of the crazy trades and stuff that happened in the NBA and of course the upcoming free agency, so I will be back to do another podcast soon on that but um, also, I wanted to apologize in advance for the audio recording issues that we suffered during this podcast. Um, I tried my best to fix it, but um, there was just a, there's a really strong echo in the background, um, just because we recorded in a different location than we normally do. So for us, it was it it was a, a technicality that I really tried to work with. I really tried to edit through, but ultimately couldn't. So I apologize for that if that annoys you. Um, the next podcast will be recorded in a different location. But for now, um, the housekeeping stuff, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RealChrisPlatte, C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. I know you know how to spell real. And there is the best way to stay up to date on the latest podcast I have coming. I have a hip-hop podcast coming soon. And, of course, I'm going to be doing a lot of NBA podcasts as we get ready for the NBA season, which is very quickly happening. Uh, the draft is over, and now we're going to be entering into free agency relatively soon. Um, of course, we're going to talk about Clay Thompson's injury on the next podcast. This was recorded before it was announced that Clay tore his Achilles. Um, so, prayers up to Claire Tom- Clay Thompson in a speedy recovery. Uh, that that's an injury that just really sucks, man. Uh, to go through to go through the injury that he went through in the torn ACL and then to suffer a, a torn Achilles right after is is just brutal. I mean, missing two seasons in your prime. Uh, it just it just sucks, man. And by all accounts, Clay's Clay's a good dude and a hard worker, so I have no doubt that things are going to work out for him in the end. But uh, but but this that that's an injury that really sucks, man. And um, I just wanted to mention that before the podcast started, so that everyone knows that we're not speaking on uh, the Clay Thompson injury. But I will be addressing that a little bit more on the next podcast, probably. So without further ado, let's throw it to the intro music and get this podcast started. Hello everyone, welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host Chris Platty, and returning to the podcast, he's been on the hip-hop side, so I'm bringing him to the basketball side, my man Josh. 
aka little big back shots aka, AKA a different the, a different a, aka aka the terminator of the booty aka coming in your house next door aka the right neighbor aka everything's else you know aka man you you and you and Jetta with these aka's bro honestly i you yeah. can't get enough of them i can't get enough of them either my boy listen I'm excited because we're always talking hoops, so I'm glad to have you on this on this side of the podcast here because a lot of shit is going down in the NBA right now. Yeah, shit really was hitting the fan yesterday. And that's what it's going to be. We are recording this the day, technically, the day of the draft. This will be out before the draft. We're not going to talk about the draft because neither him or I are draft experts um, I I'm somebody that everybody knows that I just watch I just watch professional NBA basketball. I don't really watch that much college, so I get I do my research I do my research late before the draft. And, and this year I've done some research, but honestly I'm just not your draft guy. I'm not your draft guy at this point in, in my basketball media career. So go to the the great people at ESPN, The Ring, or wherever you wherever you get your sports for draft coverage. Here we're just talking all the crazy trades because this is my expertise. This is my bag. Getting into getting into trade discussions, who won each side, what are possible movements, what makes sense, what doesn't, and we got a lot to break down. So we'll start with the trades that happened first. Um, we got the Chris Paul trade was the was the, was the first one that rang off. The biggest one, honestly, out of all of them. Yeah, I would say so too. I mean, the biggest the biggest name for sure. So that that trade was uh, the Suns acquiring Chris Paul from the Oklahoma City Thunder for Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Jerome, um, and then who who else? Jalen Lequeux. Oh yeah, and then Jalen and then Jalen Lequeux. So uh, I like this trade because they because they didn't have to offer the tenth pick in the draft this year. They being the Suns, but the thing I don't like is that they did offer a 2022. Excuse me, a 2022 pick, and as I told you about, that's the draft class that everybody's looking at because that's the one where high school players are going to be eligible to enter the NBA. So it's going to be almost like a double draft. You're going to have the you're going to have the the one year phenoms who were just who were just one year too old, so they had to go to college, and then you're going to have the high school phenoms that that now instead of having to go to college can skip to the NBA. So all of the the top Top, top tier, the top studded prospects. However, I can't even say it, but those top tier prospects are all going to be eligible for the NBA draft in 2022. So that is one that is kind of scary because if you're the Suns, you know, a lot can change in two years. Devin Booker can have his moment where he demands a trade. Chris Paul can be um, 37 or he'd be 38, I think. And fall off a cliff. And yes. Just be injury prone and injury riddle and not even be the same guy we saw last year. Yeah. So that that so there is a little bit of concern there. But but all in all it's not a it's not a bad haul. Kelly Oubre Jr. was a nice player, but I don't think he was a player that um that was going to make or break the success of the team. I like him and I think he's a good I think he's a starter on a potential playoff team. So I don't think you're losing that much with him. Um, Ricky Rubio was a good point guard, but obviously Chris Paul is a better point guard off of, off of last season. But here's my thing with the Chris Paul trade. 
I like it. Another reason I like it for the Phoenix Suns is because I, I'm a big believer in those type of moves where you get the veteran elite guard, the guy who's been there, the Hall of Fame, the locker room guy, and the leader who's going to show Devin Booker, okay, you are a star. You're a stud. Like That's proven. But let me show you how to handle this lifestyle, like even just off the court and also on the court things. I'm Chris Paul. I'm one of the greatest floor generals of all time. I Top see the games. Yeah, I see the game differently. So, you know, Chris Paul is going to give Devin Booker some, some, uh, so, some wisdom that, that honestly he's not, that's very valuable. So I think that there's things like that that are, that are very important. And I think also Chris Paul is a guy who will help with the development of DeAndre Ayton, right? Definitely, definitely. Just like how he helped develop Blake Griffin more, how he developed mm-hmm. DeAndre Jordan more. Just setting them up, getting them little easy buckets, helping them finish. Yeah. DeAndre Aiden should probably Clint Capella, yeah, in Houston, honestly, which was also James too. But yeah, honestly, DeAndre Aiden should probably be an All Star within the next couple of years. He should be getting an All Star big coming up. Book should get an official All Star game and not one of those reserve All Star games. Yeah. So do you like the? So you like this for Phoenix then? Yeah, I love. Honestly, I really love this for Phoenix. This would this is gonna be perfect. Show book how to win and actually be a winner because Chris Paul has really done pretty much all of it. Yeah, I mean the people that will say like, "Oh, he's never been to the to the finals and all that stuff." Like, man, bro, Chris Paul is a is a winner, bro. I don't know how to I don't know how to say it other than this man is just you get him on your team, your team has a better chance of winning, flat out, point blank. He does, nobody thought OKC was going anywhere. They thought they were just going to yeah. be a bottom feeder lottery team. And then for him to really get them to the fourth seed, not have a higher seed than Houston, take Houston to seven games and was on the brink unless James Hart, but because James Hart made a clutch play, it saved that the Houston team. Yeah. See? It- it's one of those. It's one of those things that when when you look at Chris Paul's career, there's so many narratives and there, and things can things can become very story driven rather than looking at the actual facts. And the facts are that any team you put Chris Paul in any team right now, he's not the best. Obviously, if you put him on Golden State, he's not the starting point guard. Of course, of, of course. course not. But. Any team you put him on, remove contract, remove anything from it, he makes that team better. Now I get it; he's got a he's got a bad contract. And the thing I'm worried about with this Suns trade is I like it because I I do think that they didn't they didn't give up too much. Like I would have liked for them to try to keep that first round pick because I do think that that could be very valuable if things Phoenix Suns have a long history of things not going right. So if True. things don't go right then that pick becomes something that um that OKC is really val- is really valuable or is is really valuable to OKC which is why I like the trade for OKC as well but the thing that scares me about this trade is that Chris Paul had a great season last year year 15 dominant seat uh, unbelievable season right like he was fully healthy all year pretty much he um, he played to an extremely high level, and now you're talking about a guy who 
is now going to be another year older, year 16. The, the year 15 he had, literally no point guard in NBA history has had that good of a year, averaging 15 and 6 in year 15. No point guard has ever done that. That's crazy. I didn't even know that. So, like, yeah, so, like, he's he's done something that is already historic, and now you're getting the shortest offseason in NBA history. You're not allowing this guy the full time to get his body right. Now, granted, he wasn't playing up until the finals, but still— he had that was a very very long season, and I'm concerned that on on a short off season, that Chris Paul again I never wish injury on anybody but just looking at this objectively, you know there there's I would be concerned about about um, Chris Paul potentially having you know having injuries this season because of the fact that there was such a short off season and everything was just everything was just so. Um, messy with the whole three month layoff, where you know you you just you didn't know where these players going to come back, where we even going to have an NBA season, all of that. So, for me, the Chris Paul trade could potentially bite Phoenix in the ass. But again, when I look at all they gave up, um, you know, I I think it, I think it's worth I think it's worth it for them. Honestly, the Chris Paul trade kind of reminds me of the time when the Pistons got Brett Griffin two years ago, mm-hmm. where that first year with the Pistons had one of his best seasons ever. But then the next year he was yeah. just injury, injury riddled. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen to Chris Paul and he just can stay relatively healthy for the Phoenix Suns so they can get to the playoffs. Because they, I'm thinking them a playoff seed, maybe like five through eight. I'm thinking yeah. five because OKC, who's not nearly as talented to me as Phoenix is, yeah. Got to the fourth seed, so with Chris Paul added to this Phoenix team, mm-hmm. they should definitely be trying to fight for a higher seed in like five, six. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that they can, but you also got to factor in Golden State's going to be coming. True, that's one spot that's just automatic. Chalk that in, like that's that exactly. that's that's a spot that's gone. That's that spot's gone. You got yeah. the Lakers spots going, even though the Clippers blew it last yeah, year. That spot's, spot's gone. gone. And then the fourth seed is the Nuggets. That spot's gone. So the four, the first four seeds are already gone. And I would, I would probably say Dallas is. That's un- what I'm thinking. Unless... Dallas with Luka carrying. So yeah, so you're competing in the six to eight range for me. Probably, yeah. maybe the five. Maybe you could be better than Dallas. Maybe. And and again, who knows what to think of Houston, which we'll get to in a, which we we'll will. get to in we a will. minute. But yeah, I mean, I like this trade and quickly for the Thunder, I like it as well. You know, they got they got Oubre, who's a who's a who's a solid piece, and Rubio, who I like him as a point guard. Like this is gonna OKC is gonna be able to continue to walk that line of we could be competitive right now, but also we have assets for the future. A Kelly Oubre, a Ricky Rubio, a draft pick, another first round draft pick that could have a lot of value depending on if things go if things go wrong in Phoenix. So for for the Thunder, you know, this was a this was a deal where look, they they got Chris Paul who and they got him for a great for a great haul. They got as they got essentially four first round picks for Chris Paul. They got two picks and then two swaps and now they flip that Chris Paul into another pick, a prospect and uh, and a Ricky Rubio. This is far more value than Chris Paul had a year ago today. That is so true. Because the way he was coming off with him and James Harden kind of mm-hmm. bumping heads and stuff, that people didn't think Chris Paul was as good as he actually was because how he was kind of spotting up and letting James Harden do his, do his thing. Yeah. 
So I, I like this trade for both sides. I think it's a rare one where both win. And hopefully, fingers crossed, everybody's healthy and we get to see what, what uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker look like because that's a great pairing in and of itself, the ability of Chris Paul to relieve Devin Booker of ball handling and let Devin Booker do some off-ball stuff. And also on defense, Chris Paul is still, even though as old as he is, he's still taking that primary defensive assignment too, yeah. giving Booker a chance to uh, to rest a little bit. So. Definitely. I like he's still an all all defensive player. Definitely still all defensive player. All these all defensive player caliber for sure. Um, so speaking of Houston, we'll get to we'll get to the Covington trade, the trade that they actually made, where they traded Robert Covington, and this one was one that that kind of shocked me. So the Trailblazers acquire Robert Covington from the Rockets for Ariza and two first round picks. So Portland giving up Ariza and two first round picks, essentially getting a better version of Ariza. Really, really, I love that for the Trailblazers. I, I do too. Love it because they Covington's needed somebody, a, a great player, needed somebody to guard LeBron when they were checking him right there. And Covington is an amazing defense. You just player. need a, you just need a lot of good wings today. Honestly, and he is very valuable. So, Josh, I'll I'll ask you this because this is the real question with this: the James Harden trade rumors, which we'll get to, and the Russell Westbrook, both of them allegedly demanding trades. Or reportedly, I should say, demanding trades. Um, Covington being traded to the to the Blazers for a reason, two first. A veteran player who a reason you could justify as like he, he's a solid player still. Like he's still a good role player. He can still play on a championship team. And that, but the two first round picks is obviously why they did this trade. Do you think that they are? This is a sign that they are gonna that they are gonna blow everything up and trade Harden and Westbrook? Or do you think that this is a trade where I'm getting Ariza and packaging him with two firsts to get somebody better than Covington to help build the roster around um, around James Harden better? Like, like, could they be trading Covington and then try to trade Westbrook for another couple firsts and then package, make a monster package of like four first-round picks for... Um, I don't know. I don't know who a, a Bradley Beal, whoever you want to name. Um, there's so many. Dis, uh, there's so many superstars that can be on the move now. Like, do you think that that's what Houston's doing, or do you think that this is a sign that Houston's blowing it up and just trying to get their pieces or trying to get their assets? See, I wish it was the latter, and they were trying to build up assets to trade and get pieces for James Harden and them. But I feel like this is more of a blow up than anything. Yeah, I feel like I just Covington's a perfect player for for Harden. He is though. So like, I I don't see why you trade for a lesser version of uh, of Covington and Trevor or uh, a lesser version of Robert Covington and Trevor Reza and getting two firsts, unless you plan on flipping those firsts for more assets. Like I don't see I or I don't see you I don't see you making this move. To get uh to get a, a better player than Covington because there's very few players in the league that that work with Harden better than Covington, a guy who can defend and who can shoot. That's what Harden needs. Harden needs just a bunch of defense and shooting around him. That's it, and a little bit of playmaking so you can relieve some of the pressure. But for the most part, that's what you need around around James Harden. So for me, it's just like okay, like who do who does a reason the two first get you? And if you traded Covington for this trade and you were trying to get a better player than Covington, wouldn't you just try to trade Covington 
for like if this is what Covington gets you in return, wouldn't you just and you're trying to get something better than Covington, why wouldn't you just try to trade Covington for that quote unquote better player? This trade honestly just does not make any sense to me. Like Trevor Ariza, honestly, he's past his prime to me. Mm-hmm. He's I don't know how valuable he is anymore. Like he used I think to be. he I think he can be a, an eighth or ninth guy on a team. Like for sure. Like I think he can or he could be that starter that like plays like twenty eight minutes. Like he's not really, really like he's not he's not really your starter, but he's technically starting type thing. Like what Andrew Bogey did with the Warriors type thing. Because he's a, he's a useful guy that you could give twenty minutes to. I think. I don't even think he's that good anymore. I think he's kind of towards the end, and he's kind of just riding the bench more. Like I'm not gonna say like a Udonis Haslam type, but definitely like yeah, he's levels above yeah. Haslam. Come on, <laughs> he's definitely not that. But I don't. This really does not make any sense to me. Why would you trade a better version of the player for a lesser version? It just clearly means we're trying to blow this thing this thing up. They got rid of the coach that Harden loves. Mm-hmm. They got rid of the GM. They didn't get rid of the GM that Harden loves, but they, they both. They kind of did. They did. They really did. So, like, what is really left for Harden in Houston but to go now? Yeah. And, you know, so Ariza, they might try to buy him out. They might try to flip him for another asset. But at the end of the day, it's like it, it's going to be. It, it signals It signals we're prepping for a rebuild. But I think they're trying to pitch it right now to James is like, Look at now we got two firsts, and maybe if we trade Trevor Ariza for a first, now we have three first round picks, and we had zero. So now we could trade these three first round picks for this or that, and it's just like, I don't know, man. It's nah. it's it's gonna be hard to find somebody better than Covington for. I don't even see think. I don't think James Harden really care about first. He's trying to win now. Yeah, he is. And he those is. two firsts really aren't that's gonna what, help him. That's what I'm saying is like those two first round picks. He's like. Who do I care about? About somebody I don't even I don't even know who the 2024 draft class is. Why do I care about about that? Like, get me use those picks to get me a player, which is what I think they're gonna try to tell him. But ultimately, man, he already he already turned down the extension. He would have been the first 50 million player, 50 million dollar player in the league. So yeah. I, I don't think he's trying to stay anymore. He's trying to go I think thinking so. about his legacy and trying to get a chip. I I agree. I mean, we're we're already here with the Harden stuff, so let's just stay on the Rockets with Westbrook and Harden here, um, and then we'll get to the monster moves that the Bucks made. Yes, yes. Um, so with Harden and Westbrook demanding trades days apart, and now the latest reports are that Harden has made it clear that he wants that he wants Philly, or sorry, he wants Brooklyn priority priority number one. And he's open to the idea of Philly. So the thing is, right now where where it stands, let's just let's just talk with James Harden. Um, should Houston be considering trading James Harden when he has two years left on a contract plus a player option? Which somebody as great as Harden, you're probably going to decline your player option because you can just get more money for more years or whatever. But what is Houston's next step? Because I mean, this man's under contract for two years. That that is true. They could listen to him and trade him, or they can just say, "No, nah, forget about this. We going we going we got you for two years, so we got time to hold on to you for a minute." But I think, honestly, they should really trade him within the next these next two years because they don't want to lose him on the market for nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's for that's for sure. But the one thing that I think is a silver lining for Houston is you're looking at the Anthony Davis situation, right? 
Like the Anthony Davis situation is really interesting to me when you think about it because you have Anthony Davis, this guy who's a all all time great potential player, and he demands a trade, and he's and he's made it clear. He said, "I I want to go to the Lakers," and other teams are trying to talk to him. Boston's like, "Hey, you know, like okay, we're willing to give we're willing to give up this this and that, but we need to know that you're gonna stay." Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool, Boston. You could trade for me, but I'm going to L.A. Like, he he made it clear that L.A. is the only place he was going. And yet, somehow, the Pelicans got every first-round pick imaginable from the Lakers. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart. They got a mother load of assets. Because, at the end of the day, Anthony Davis was so... It was so important to LeBron and the Lakers... That the Pelicans ultimately had the leverage. Now, I don't think it's that way in Brooklyn because I think you're thinking, okay, we have Kyrie, we have Karis LeVert, we have we have Kevin Durant, we have Joe Harris, we have all these nice players. We could ar- arguably maybe win a chip without without making a move. So I don't think there's the same level of desperation right now. But again, it, that uh, that can change if if Kyrie and and Kevin Durant go to management and say, "Listen, get us James Harden or we're out." You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Like I don't know. Like where do where do you fall on that? Like do you think that Houston has to trade him now, or do you think that the leverage is always going to be in Houston's favor because James Harden is ultimately one of the greatest players of our generation? Honestly, I think Houston's at a disadvantage because it has been known that James Harden wants to be wants to be let out of this contract and wants to be traded. And teams knowing that know he he's disgruntled, he's messing things up in the organization. So they're not gonna move heaven and earth for him because they know that he wants to get out. And they're they're trying to get him out as well. So they won't be able to get the bestest of deals. So I, I would say they're not as in a big of a advantage that you would think they would be or they should be having James Harden because with James Harden they should probably be able to get a haul for him yeah they should an absolute haul like multiple first round picks probably some nice decent players like a great prospect like yeah yeah somebody up and comer yeah they they need a lot in return for James Harden but it's interesting so what's the difference i want you to elaborate more on that so the difference between the Harden and the Anthony Davis situation because at the end of the day when you look at it the lakers gave up every asset they could except Kyle Kuzma which yeah, <laughs> a year yeah, yeah. later we're laughing at that but we definitely are but like in, in reality the Pelicans got every single thing from the Lakers. They got all these picks. They got pick swaps. They got Brandon Ingram. They got Lonzo Ball. They got, oh, Josh Hart is a player who blossomed out of nowhere. That's nice. I want him too. Like, they got everybody from L.A., and it was clear that he was only going to L.A. So do you think? So what about the Harden situation you think makes it different that um, of him demanding a trade and essentially saying right now, I want to go to Brooklyn, and I'm kind of open to Philly. Hmm. What makes it different? I think the situations are just like a bit different than that in a sense. Like these are like two different players in a sense. Like Anthony Davis wasn't really moving the Pelicans as far in the playoffs 
and wasn't really getting in the puff like James Harden was. Okay. And he he was really on the verge of winning the championship at a, a certain point. And he yeah. also has an MVP under his name as well. Yeah, true. True. That's very that's very true. And you know, there, it's interesting with the like the Kawhi situation, you know, like like is there looking at looking at the fit outside of Philly and Brooklyn. We'll get to them. But out let's go outside of Philly and Brooklyn. Do you think that there's any teams out there that are willing to say to do what the um what the Raptors did and say, We'll take Kawhi for one year. But James has got two years actually left. So if you trade for him right now, you got two years of James. Uh do you think that do you think that there's anybody that's ballsy enough to to trade their basically what would be their, their, their future for James Harden on two years? I definitely think it will. Since the Kawhi Leonard thing worked out and it was for a year, they're like, well, we're going to have this James Harden for two years because of the deal. So why not give it a try? Let's see what happens. I mean, yeah, I think I think there definitely will be a market that, like the market I think will become bigger than Philly and Brooklyn. Definitely. Somebody definitely. will somebody will 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 try to get their name into it. Somebody like a like a New York, like a um uh, um I don't know I don't know some other teams, but off the top of my head, but there's going to be some teams that are going to try to really kick the tires on this James Harden thing and think, okay, maybe if we get him at the right price we can uh we can convince him to stay. He's got two years. Blah blah blah. I mean, if I mean, we, if we're being honest, I mean, a team that could that could offer the best package out of anybody, it's it's the Thunder. Yeah, <laughs> they got all the picks. They could, they have. They could say, you know what, James, it's my bad. We want you back. Yeah, we we want you back. We got Shea now, and it's just Shea. like we got we got Shea. We got picks. I don't think James would would James would be out of there no, in a heartbeat. He's never coming <laughs> yeah. back. He's not going back there. No, I think actually now that I think about it, a spot that has a nice team and has pieces that probably could maybe throw some do something together would be like Denver. You know, they got young pieces like Michael Porter and Bobo. Mm-hmm. And then they got like Gary Harris, Will Barton. They got little pieces that They'll be nice. So you to trade. think they? So you think that they could do it without trading Jamal Murray? Yeah, I think they could, because Michael Porter is like a young and up and coming. Like people are really seeing that he could be maybe a lead dog potentially. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be an interesting fit too. That would be a lot of offense. <laughs> it would be. That would crazy. be a lot of offense, but that would be three players that all are best with their ball and with the with the ball in their hands. So I don't know if it would be. Like everybody's talking about right now, let's just talk about that. The the Nets thing, if Harden, Kyrie, and KD is just going to be alternating ISOs for a hundred possessions a game, I mean, you know, I feel like I feel like Denver would fall into that same category. But with 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 Brooklyn in particular, it's like Kyrie, KD, James Harden. You look at statistically big threes. There's always, or I should say, historically. There's always a great level of sacrifice for whoever the third wheel is. Who's the third wheel? Is it Kyrie? Is it KD? Like who? What? And yeah. and are they willing to be the third wheel? Because that's a crazy, that's a crazy three. It would have to be Kyrie. Kyrie's the only one who doesn't have an MVP of the three. Yeah. Kyrie, 
but Kyrie doesn't seem like a person who would be willing to take the third Hell wheel. No. Hell no. All. This man was mad he was number two. <laughs> this man won a championship and was mad he was number two. This man literally said, I finally have somebody on my team who I think could take the final shot in the game to win it. Even though LeBron, 2018 LeBron, who went on a run to the finals by himself, was like his, that was utter yeah. historical. Maybe the greatest LeBron has ever been, and for Kyrie to say that when he ain't really been f- to the playoffs without LeBron, and only got to the second round with Boston, and he was hurt really yeah. the whole time. So I wish I wish that Kyrie LeBron thing would have been a lot better. Like I wish I wish it would have worked between those two for longer because I liked Kyrie a lot, and I liked I liked the pairing of him with LeBron specifically. But I, I understand why Kyrie has his little thing with LeBron. Like I don't I don't I think they're cool, but there there's a little thing there because LeBron would always be like, Yeah, bro, Kyrie, I'm proud of that kid. Yeah. Like, it's just like, bro, don't call me a kid. Like mm. I just hit the shot that got you a ring. I'm a grown ass man. Yeah, like, I'm I ain't a, no child. I ain't yeah. your kid. I ain't your son. Don't try to sell me. Don't disrespect yeah. me. I'm the reason you got you got another one of your rings and not a loss. So I can understand where Kyrie coming from. Yeah. I can too, but I can understand LeBron. Like LeBron is like, I'm the ultimate alpha. This is my team. Blah blah blah. Like you know what I mean. Like yeah, like without me, you wasn't even in the playoffs. Yeah, not you wasn't even getting to the first round. Like nothing. You was a lottery every year. So I can also get where LeBron is coming. But yeah, it, it's one of those things. Like Kyrie, no way he takes third option in Brooklyn. Like it, no. it just it. And I don't know. I would love to see it. I would love to see it play out. That would be amazing, amazing 2K look, a 2K team. Right it is there. a 2K team. A it 2K is very team. much a 2K team. Now Philly, I think it makes more sense because Philly, they're not going to do it right now. I don't think they're just not ready to make that move. But when Philly decides Ben Simmons for James Harden, when they put the Ben Simmons card on the table and they say we're getting Harden and Embiid. The most dominant one. We're we're getting our version of Kobe Shaq like type thing. That's that's gonna be a that's gonna be an offer that's gonna be number one tough to beat around the league because Ben Simmons for getting a twenty four year old for a, a thirty year old like and this guy has already been on the All NBA and Ben Simmons at twenty four. Yep. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a package that Brooklyn's gonna be Brooklyn's gonna be hard pressed to beat. But I don't know if Philly's. I don't know if Philly's going to offer that. I mean, do you think that? Do you think even that the fit of Harden and Bead works? Nah, honestly, I don't think that fit would even work necessarily because he, when he was with Houston, he had Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard was also the best center in the league, and they, was he in, in in Houston though? I don't yeah. think so. Who else was Who else was in the league when Dwight Howard was in Houston as a big man? Man, like that was like twenty fourteen and like twenty sixteen. I don't know why, but that that specific period of Dwight Howard in Houston, I'm blanking on centers in the NBA. Oh, like Demarcus Cousins. Noah was in the in the discussion. Demarcus Cousins was there, but DeMarcus his team wasn't Cousins. winning. So, yeah. okay, Harden or Howard was a great big at the time in Houston. He mm-hmm. was like he was, but he I would. Top three, at least. Yeah, I would. Three. Yeah, I would not say he was the best, but arguably, I mean, we could say that about Joel Embiid right now, right? Exactly. With how, with how much Jokic played and and Bam's coming up and Carl Anthony Towns. 
Now, granted, Embiid is more obviously offensive versatile than Dwight Howard. And I would say, I would say, in my opinion, I think that this version of Joel Embiid versus that version of Dwight Howard, I would take this version of Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid's ceiling is like, is like I'm I'm locking down the paint and I'm absolutely crushing you on the other end. Like, I think that there's I think that there's potential there. But again, do I think Harden and Embiid works for a championship? I don't know. If if MB can you know get like healthier, like lose some weight and not be mm-hmm. so heavy on his joints and not be so injury prone because he's he's always getting injured with some little ticky tack injuries. If he can like get past that, be lighter and healthier, improve on his three more. So if he goes out and steps out and shoots the three, maybe shoot like he don't need to shoot like forty percent or even a high thirty, but like make it respectable like thirty three, thirty four. Yeah, something like that. Then I really think that team will work perfect. But until Embiid can kind of show us that he's willing to really put the effort in and really change his body and get better like that, then I don't know about that still. Yeah, I mean, do you think that another thing that's interesting is that Harden's played this very specific way that's tailored absolutely to him, like this, like Houston situation was literally built the last couple years on we are all in on you James Harden we are doing everything to maximize you we are going to give you the ball more than any other player we are going to we are going to give you just astronomical levels of power in the offense and as a result you know, it, it got some great results, and they were they were within, like you said, you know, a, a few a few instances within a shot of a championship, but they ultimately it ultimately didn't come about. But people wonder, with James Harden playing that way, where it's just me, 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 for four or five years now, um, is this something that can be undone, or is this going to be who James is for the rest of the, rest of time? Honestly, it's going to be hard to change James Harden when literally for like the past five, six years maybe, since Curry's first MVP, he's either second, third, or he's won it. So it's really hard. He's always top three. He's always in the running in the race. So why would he want to change? He would say like, what I'm doing is getting me top three in the MVP every year. So why am I changing my play? Exactly. And that's why I think that's where I run into the issue of I love James Harden more than uh, more than a lot of people. But is this a guy that you can win a championship with as your number? Like what what is the number two that has to that? Who is the person that's his number two that you look at and you're like, that's the that's the one that can get it done? Because we saw Chris Paul, who was great. It didn't. It didn't work. It almost worked, but it didn't work. And then, um, and then you have obviously the Russell Westbrook situation did not go well. The Dwight Howard situation, going back to that, did not go well. Uh, you know, like at what point do you look at the, a guy like James Harden, who yes, he's so unbelievably talented, and you wonder what kind of situation can I bring him into where we can win a championship? And that's why the Nets one makes sense to me because it's like, 
there's just so much talent between the three of them that you you imagine that even if it doesn't work perfectly, they're going to figure it out enough to win a championship, right? Like, they're not the Warriors. The Warriors did it very seamlessly integrating Kevin Durant, but the Warriors, even if Kevin Durant didn't perfectly fit with them, you they probably would have still won anyways because it's just they had that much more talent than the rest of the league, right? See, I would like to think that, but James Harden and Kyrie Irving both really need the ball. Like yeah. Kevin Durant is the only one of the of the three who kind of can play off the ball. Like Kevin Durant is nice playing off the ball, but James Harden and Kyrie don't do really cuts and catch and shoots like that. So it'd be really weird because they both like yeah. to dribble, dribble, dribble a lot, and then no. And I don't get think Katie thinks of himself as a third guy. Not at all, and so. and he really I don't think he really thinks of himself as a spot up shooter a lot either. Yeah. I think he's saying I'm the number one option. I'm getting these buckets, and I'm gonna lead us to this thing. Cause he's saying I'm the best player in the league. I beat LeBron twice. Yeah. I put one in his eye, and then I outscored him. Took a final MVP from two years in a row. Yeah, and it would have been three had I not tore my Achilles. So I don't know. That fit just is is bad to me. Even though they're three top, well James Harden and. Kevin Durant are two top ten players, right there. But Kyrie's like top twenty. But yeah. just that fit, though, I don't see it working as well as people thinking. Like we just get a whole bunch of talent, it's just gonna yeah. magically find itself. Especially with a first year head coach and Steve Nash, it's just, it's just really hard yeah. to see that working out. Even that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I I think that they could they could get it done just because of the level of talent. But you're right. I mean, we've seen. A lot of times that the talent on paper just doesn't win. Look at the Clippers. You know what I mean? Like that's a team where it wasn't a big three, but it was a team that was everybody looked at on paper before the season started and said, this team should win the championship. And they got bounced in the second round. Man, honestly, even the Clippers before them, the Chris Paul iteration yeah, of the Clippers everybody with Blake thought. Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and Matt Barnes, J.J. Redick, Jamal Crawford, Karan Butler. They had yeah, a stack roster. Jordan, yeah. They had a stack roster then, too, and they're only getting to the second round. So, it really matters. I agree. Now, one more part about this James Harden, and this will lead us into Russell Westbrook, too. Um, I'm not going to explore too much of Russell Westbrook's market here because right now it doesn't really seem like there is any from the people that I listen to, which are people that are connected. Again, I'm not connected in the NBA, but I, I listen to people who are connected and there doesn't seem to be a, a, a market for Russell Westbrook. But let's talk about this because Ryan Russillo made an interesting point on Bill Simmons podcast I just listened to. So the the whole idea of player empowerment of the Anthony Davises forcing basically forcing his trade to the Lakers and that essentially creating what could end up being a dynasty or at the very least is a is a perennial contender for a couple of seasons. And you look at that that's a that's a landscape changing move for the NBA as a whole and a lot of owners and stuff were looking at that being like I don't like this is wrong. Like Anthony Davis is literally just sabotaging his trade value so that he can go to the team that he wants to go to. This is this player has too much power. Like we are we are powerless. And then you have now the James Harden thing, and you have all these other stars, of course, that are that are demanding trades. And James Harden with two years left plus a player option on his contract. Like that is potentially three years out. You are demanding a trade. 
is is player empowerment is player empowerment too much now or is this something that you're for because Ryan Russell brought up an interesting point in that yeah I'm always for player empowerment but we have to look at it situationally and in James Harden's particular situation what Russell said which was interesting is that they built the entire infrastructure around James Harden. Like, they let him do everything. And that led to Harden obviously playing his absolute best individually, getting the best statistic, individual statistics he possibly could, and all of that. And yet, we're looking at this with no championships. So, you know, the player empowerment thing, we get it when it's Anthony Davis and he's on the Pelicans and the Pelicans haven't gone anywhere and they've arguably failed to put a good team around him. But the Rockets have given James Harden every single thing. So does he have to, like, is it wrong that he's doing this? Um, I'm definitely down with player empowerment. So what I was also hearing was... James Harden didn't want Mike D'Antoni fired, and he also didn't want them to get rid of of uh, the president of their team who went to the 76ers. Daryl Murray. Daryl Murray. He didn't want them to go away as well as a trade. Who was it? I don't know if he wanted Robert Covington traded either because he was the perfect piece for a lesser player. I don't, I don't remember if he spoke – if he – well – if he, I, he hasn't spoken yeah. anything. This is all rumors, rumors. And, and reports. But I don't know if I if, if I ever came across anything of him reacting to the Covington trade. But um, but you're you're right. I you're right. I mean they they literally they did things that Harden didn't like. And ultimately, I'm gonna side with the player too because we we've seen it time and time again. Neither side is loyal. Let's Not just at let's all. just call it a, a, a spade. The owners will trade you on a dime if they can get the if they if they think that it's the best move for them, and the players will demand a trade at whatever point in their career when they when they feel it's best for them. And players, especially great players of Harden's level, I understand it even more because you're the one that at the end of the day the media looks at your legacy and narratives are created and. Those are things that you have to live with for the rest of your life because you're in the public spotlight. Like, you know, people that people that have a nine to five and go home, they have their people that they see in their friends groups and whatever. But these people have millions of people across the globe that that now believe certain things like, oh, this guy's not clutch. He never got a ring. How great is Allen Iverson? Allen Iverson never won a championship. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 that thing of like the media is it has so much power to shape narrative that I understand a player taking responsibility and looking at a situation and being like, I don't think that this is gonna work anymore. I need to leave. Even though to be fair, I think Houston did everything right by James for the most part, or tried to do everything right by James. It just didn't work out. So I th- so I see both sides of it. It was an interesting point that Rasilla made, and I get it with um, I get it with James Harden. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I mean, neither side is loyal. So it's about it's about who's gonna end the marriage first, right? Pretty much, pretty much. And with Russell Westbrook too, like bringing him into the fold now, like Russell Westbrook, 
him making a trade request, I mean, you got to imagine he did it just two days before James Harden uh, kind of made his. So I I have to imagine because Westbrook and Harden are actually friends. I have to imagine that Westbrook knew it was coming and, you know, he's trying to also make his statement that, oh, you want to get traded? No, no, no. I want to get traded. <laughs> oh, you want out? No, no. I want out. I want out. And like, not as a slight to James, but as like to the organization, you know, letting it know that, you know, they both want, they both want out. Now Westbrook obviously has way less power and leverage than James Harden, but Westbrook still has a great deal of power. Westbrook is still the type of guy that um, if you, if he says he doesn't want to go there, who's going to trade for a guy who's had knee surgeries in his thirties and can't shoot at all and can't shoot at all. And doesn't want to play for you, too. Like, if he also says, oh, yeah, and I just straight up don't want to play for you. Like, you know, I mean, that's that's going to be something that affects his affects his trade value versus a James Harden who's looked at as, like, one of the greatest players in the league. And it has a lot more, a lot more value. But overall, this player empowerment thing, I think, is something that's that that is that is good for the NBA. But. And I understand why the players have it, and I'm glad that the players have it because I'm always gonna say I'd rather side with the player than the billionaire owner. Yeah, who makes all the money? Who makes all the money and profits off of everybody? And you can argue exploits these players in a lot of ways. So I, I'm I'm with it, but at the same at the same time, it's one of those things that like owners are scared of like okay what's the what's the like breaking point of this are we going to get to a point where players are going to request a trade four years four years left in their contract and then like what are we going to do they're just going to bully us in the media and put out all these all these uh scandalous stories about how oh we didn't do this or we didn't do that and the media is always going to side with the player and so now we're going to get all this bad PR and, and and just bad press for essentially for essentially just wanting signing a player and paying him all this money. Like it's one of those situations where it's like it it can get dangerous and both sides can can be wrong. Very very true. Very true. Okay, that was a little that was a little rant that I had. I just had to get it off because I think player empowerment is very important, and I think I think that is a real important discussion today because it's so easy for everybody to just simply say, "Oh yeah, fuck the owners." Like you know, where does LeBron want to go? Cool, I'll go there. Where does where does Kevin Durant want to go? Cool, I'll go there. And if it doesn't work out, oh well. Where do we want to go next? Oh, trying to go next. <laughs> well, let's talk about Milwaukee before we get out of here. Milwaukee made some trades. They made some moves. <laughs> they definitely made some moves. Some big moves, I would say. Some big moves. Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Now, Bogdan Bogdanovich was a sign-in trade with the Kings uh, for Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, and Ersan Ilyasova. Piston legend. Piston goat. <laughs> I love that, man. Mr. Charge King. Yeah, as as I told you before the podcast, man, that dude led the league in charges when he was on the Pistons. What a dog. And then, of course, the infamous Drew Holiday trade to the to the New Orleans Pelicans, which was Drew Holiday for George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, and five first round picks. Three of three of them are are picks, and then two of them are pick swaps. 
and the latest being a 2027 unprotected first from Milwaukee. 2027 after the year 2020 has been I don't know if you can count on you can count on anything going into 2027 so definitely definitely so for that I mean you know that's a crazy crazy price for Drew Holiday and you can look at it as making this trade for Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich is to get Giannis to stay. So you're giving up everything you're giving up. You also put in the package. You also put Giannis in the package, essentially. Like like the whole thing with Paul George to the Thunder, right? When you when you make that trade for if you're the Clippers, you're making it because it's Kawhi and Paul George. That's why you're giving up more than what quote unquote Paul George is worth. And you know here here we are with. The Bucks just going all in on this. First off, do you like the moves of Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich? I love the the Bogdan Bogdanovich Bogdanovich <laughs> move. I love that move. He a nice young piece, twenty seven from Sacramento. Can shoot the three. Can dribble, create his own shot, do something nice. And he was being wasted in Sacramento. They wasn't really going anywhere, and they weren't really giving him the minutes he deserved. The Drew Holiday. Trade, I like it, but I don't know if I love it because him and Eric Bledsoe to me are very similar players in the sense that they both really can't shoot the three that well, but both are amazing defenders and scorers in a sense and can create. But I'd say Drew Holiday is a bit better at the three point shooting and creating on his own, so I and you know, facilitating. So I like the Drew Holiday move because Eric Bledsoe really had to get out of there. Yeah. Well, he wasn't really fitting with that. He wasn't showing up in the playoffs or, or at all. They had to get rid of him. They had to make that move. So, at the end, if I had to rate it out of 10, I'd say like 7, 8 out of 10. So, I, I would Packaging say... both moves or, or just the holiday move? Both moves in okay. general. Yeah, both. Yeah. yeah, I think you could have gotten less. I think you could have been like the argument of, oh, you're trading for... You're trading for Holiday Bogdanovich and Giannis essentially because you're trying to get him to sign that supermax. Is like, okay, but why can't you just be like, hey, Giannis, we want to do this trade. Um, you know, like if you if we do this trade, are you staying? And if Giannis says yes, maybe they don't have to give up five first round picks for Drew Holiday because they also gave up like like you said like Eric Bledsoe. I, I, I think we disagree on the difference between Drew Holiday and Eric Bledsoe. I have Drew Holiday far higher than I have Eric Bledsoe. However, Eric Bledsoe is still a nice player, still a very good player. And George Hill was a great player for, for Milwaukee. I liked him a lot in Milwaukee. He was the one guy that I always looked at as like, I understand that, I understand that because of trade salaries and everything, he's probably going to be... He's probably going to be a trade piece, but I would love to find a way to keep him on Milwaukee because I loved how he I loved how he played. But essentially, with Drew Holiday, you're banking on getting uh, you're banking on getting better defense or around the same level of defense and better and, and better offense, which we saw was their problem in that they they really had a bunch of players who just were system players and too reliant on the system. And then same thing with, with Bogdanovich. Now you have a guy who can run around screens and, and get himself some looks and, and just give yourself a little bit more offensive fold. But 
I, I like these trades because these are two good players, and I think that they fit well with Giannis and Chris Middleton. But I don't like the fact that they now they did two trades where they gave up where they gave up more players than they brought in, meaning that you severely hampered your depth, and you now got to rely on Pat Covington to be one of your best bench players, unless you're able to fleece somebody on the veteran market, which. I've heard I've heard rumors of them being at going after Gallinari, which would be which would be a great pick. But I don't like that. This is my thing, Josh, and maybe you agree with me. I don't like the idea of having to rely on signing veterans in free agent because it's not as easy as it is in 2K. In 2K, I've done many associations. It's easy to get somebody for the minimum that's really cold. <laughs> That can do exactly what you need, but in reality, it, you got to get yeah, you got to get three players who you think can play in an NBA Finals game. If you're Milwaukee, you have to get three of them, and you have to get all three of them to to buy into their role and to buy into their 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 salary. Because you know, yeah, you have some exceptions you can use, but but only one player is going to get that exception. And then the other two, you're going to have to convince, okay, um, you know, yeah, we, we can only offer you the minimum or near the minimum. So, you know, what do you say? And it's, it's tough. It's, it's getting the right veteran players in free agency is a lot harder than it is in 2K because in reality, these players want their money and they want a situation where they can, they want a situation where they can play their best basketball. And so sometimes they'll prioritize. They'll prioritize. Okay, I might not be. I might go to Dallas instead of Milwaukee. I'm still selling myself on the potential of a championship because Luca and Kristaps are that good. But I'm getting more money and more playing time here, versus Milwaukee. Yeah, you're going to be our sixth or seventh man, and you know you're going to be important to the team. But we can only give you the minimum. So I don't know. Do you feel like? Do you feel like it's a lot harder? To, do you feel like that concern of mine with finding the veterans is is too nitpicky in the trade, or do you think that, or do you think that that's a real problem that Milwaukee has to address? No, I think I think it'll be I think it's a bit too nitpicky because I feel like people people towards the end of their career or towards the middle who really just want to win will be like I could make this money. Yeah, but, but rather... you can get one of them. But how? But getting three of them that are actually really good. And also, also those ring chasers, like let's be real. A lot of times they're not as good as like they're not as good as they they are when you sign them. When you sign them, you know you you put out to the pre- oh yeah like like Danny Green for example, right? Like Danny yeah. Green to the Lakers, and I'm not gonna dog Danny Green too much because a year ago he was a he was a, a key piece to Toronto winning the championship. So obviously he's he's a very important player. But looking at looking at Danny Green in, in LA, like sometimes you know you make those signings and they just don't work because with veteran players it's very risky. Some people can fall off due to old age. They can have injuries, or it can just be a a, a systematic fit thing. So I don't I don't think it's that I don't think it's that easy. I think they'll be I think they'll be fine. Honestly, their bench will be weaker. But as long as they're starting five, 
Because that's really what matters it's in the postseason. It's a nice starting five. That, as long as that starting five can really do something. Because the bench really the bench really doesn't matter in the postseason when you're only going like seven, eight deep. Like the Lakers were, weren't really going super deep in their bench. Golden State, when they had KD and them, weren't going super deep. The bench depthness, I feel like, is overrated because the Clippers had one of the best benches, and that really did n- absolutely nothing for them. So, like, the depth in the bench, I feel like that's a tad bit overrated. They should be fine but, with a But a year ago, lineup. a year ago, Toronto won. And Toronto had great depth. Uh, Toronto won because of injury. I, that's fair. That's definitely fair. They won because of... It's definitely fair, but they got to the finals being not necessarily the most stacked team. Like they they went against Philly, who had the four stars. They had Jimmy, Tobias, Ben, and Embiid. But it took one of the craziest game winners in NBA history to knock them off. Whereas if yeah. they would have went overtime, I I agree with that. I still feel like Jimmy was Jimmy was the man. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it was gonna it was gonna go Philly's way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It so overtime. I don't know. I don't know. But we can chalk a lot of basketball and sports up to luck. So, yeah. like to me, to me, that point, that point is a little, it is a little minute because I'm looking at, I'm just looking at the idea of, it's, Toronto being a great bench team and that got them to the that got them to the championship. But you're right, historically, especially the last like five, six years. It's been it's been a lot of teams that are pretty loaded in the front in the front of their roster, and then the back half of their roster is a little less uh, less talented. I mean, Toronto was pretty much the same team this year, other than like two people, Danny Green and Kawhi. Yeah, and they had all that depth still pretty much intact, and they got knocked off in the second round. So I don't know, the starters really to me, the starting lineup matters more. Oh, it definitely bench. matters more. Like the the depth thing on your bench is after, especially what what happened to the Clippers. To me, it's a it's a tad bit overrated when it comes to depth. That's true. That's true. So moving forward from Milwaukee, let's talk about let let's talk about um, just some other things we could see. So right now, there's a lot of there's a lot of trade rumors and there's a lot of uncertainty. But one thing I do want to hit on is is the idea of Gordon Hayward? I think it's noted. I I think it's notable that that both sides agreed to extend the window for uh, the deadline for Hayward to decide on taking the player option, which I think means that they're looking for a trade partner. I don't think that I don't think that Gordon Hayward is thinking is still thinking about do I want to take thirty four million or not. I think it's about okay. Do I do I get traded to another team, and what team I get traded to? Do I opt? Is it best for me to opt into that money to make the to make the trade work, or do I or do I opt out of it, sign for a little less, and get extra years? But like I think that's why that's that's something that's something that leads to them extending the deadline here. I'll, so I'll ask you this, Josh. I mean. With Gordon Hayward, I mean, what do you think? What do you think his value is? We've heard Atlanta as a team potentially. Um, we've heard Indiana as a team potentially. What do you think Hayward's value is, and 
and is this a is this a move that you think uh really changes things uh i would say he's not really a move that like changes things a whole bunch like he's definitely a nice piece though gordon hayward can get you 20 20 a night create some he can create offense for you nice playmaker to you know play all you know to relieve the hands of from like trey young per se you know to give it to somebody else because atlanta really didn't have much playmaking but he will work. I really would like him on Indiana, though. That'd be a nice fit in Indiana with Brogdon, him, maybe Victor Oladipo, but Demonis Sabonis. Victor, maybe Victor's in the trade, though. Yeah. Because you got to send some salary out. Gordon Hayward's That's a lot true. of money. Uh, that wouldn't make sense, though, then for the Celtics, though. Because they really got Jalen Brown. Yeah. So the guard position is really filled. But for Atlanta, that would be really nice for Atlanta. They yeah. will give up dead men and some other people probably yeah. for him. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that working out for Atlanta because they're making a playoff push this year, which I think they should make. They should be fighting for like the eighth, seventh seed. Yeah, I think I think they should definitely fight for the eighth. Um, it's going to be a tough. It it's going to be. Listen, I think the East is going to be a little tougher than people think, because I think you look at a lot of these teams. Um, I don't expect any of the teams that were in the playoffs uh, this year to not be a contender next year and then plus you got to add the fact that Brooklyn's a lot better um you got to add the fact that I think Miami Miami will be better than what they were maybe Indiana maybe or Orlando will probably fall out of the playoffs I I would right now I would assume that somebody like Atlanta leapfrogs Orlando um and then you have Indiana, depending on the Victor Oladipo situation, but they were able to play almost a whole year without Victor Oladipo and still make it deep in the playoffs. So I don't know. I don't know. They still got to be contenders for the playoffs. I, I think it's going to be tougher. I say a surprise team that could possibly make the playoffs if the coaching goes right because they're usually bad with the coaching and everything would be the Chicago Bulls with Zach Levine leading them. So they got it. they have a nice young talented roster. I, I wish we weren't sharing a mic because I'd just cut your mic. <laughs> I'd just cut your mic. I really think they should be fighting for a playoff spot though, in in the play in the East though the lowly East. But I think they should be fighting for like an eight seven seed where like Orlando would be at. I think they they're going to be fighting for it too this year. But to do that, Zach Levine would have to win more than thirty games. I think Zach Levine's going to be an all-star as well this year. I, I feel it this year. This year, for sure, is his year. Oh. He's going to do some things. And they got a better coach. Like, I'm glad they got rid of uh, Boylan. He was awful. He was terrible. I'm so and, happy they got rid of him. And guess what? Zach Levine is going to put up numbers this season, but it's not going to mean a damn thing, and they're not going to win enough games. They're, they're going to be in the play. Mark my words. Remember, come back to this pod specifically. Zach Levine will get to the playoffs this year. I'm betting they get the eighth or seventh seed with Atlanta, and I'm betting that this will be his first All Star appearance this year too. I'm calling it. I don't. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> I just don't. I, I was trying to think of something slick to say, but in reality, I'm just too. I'm just. I'm just too blown away by a guy who can't win 30 games now being an all-star and making the playoffs. It's a, it's a bold take. That is a, I think that's a hotter take than you think. Uh, I, don't, I don't even think it's that hot of a take. So, but I, I just want to see Zach Levine be responsible for winning. 
He hit the one game winner against Charlotte. Amazing, amazing play. Amazing play. Amazing play on a regular season night on a game that nobody was watching <laughs> against a team that's not good. Hey, they're competitive though. They might not be good. But they, they were. Compete. Cre- they credit compete. to Charlotte. They they played hard. And credit to Chicago because they won that game. But let's be real. Zach Levine is now in year f- six. Hasn't won a game. We'll, we'll see. We will see what he happens. He hasn't won this. even close to a meaningful game. We're gonna watch, I'm going to watch the Chicago Bulls closely. As long as that coach pulls them through, they'll get to the playoffs. I feel it. This team is young and talented. They have nice pieces with Laurie Markkinen. Kobe White, they got my man's from Duke who plays center. I'm, I'm having a brain fart on his name, but yeah, Wendell, Wendell Carter. Carter. Yeah, we said that at the same time. Crazy, <laughs> it's crazy. We got him. Even got Otto Porter. He was with those Washington teams that was in the playoffs and making playoff runs. So he brings experience, and he's a he's a nice three and D guy as well. Dude, we're not we're not talking about the Bulls right now. <laughs> come on, come on. We talked about Gore Hayward's trade value, and we somehow got into a tangent about Zach Levine, which I I knew there was a very strong likelihood. Josh and I argue about Zach Levine all the time, and that's not and that's not changing anytime soon because neither of our <laughs> neither of our opinions are changing. Not Let's get out of here. It's been over an hour now so let's get to the new nba format that's out um it was announced today the structure and the format for the 2021 season you can go on nba.com i have it right here on nba.com i'm reading it um so it starts tuesday december 22nd features 72 game games for each team um they are doing it in two in, in two segments and there will be a play-in tournament to determine the the seventh and eighth playoff seeds in each conference. All five teams from within a division will play all five teams uh, from one other interconference division twice at home, and all five teams from remaining interconference division twice on the road. Each team will play two games against interconference opponent, 30 total games per team, with each pairing featuring one home game and one road game. This is this is interesting. And again, it's two segments. The first half of the season will be released around the start of training camp. The second half of the season schedule will be released during the latter part of the first half portion. The second half will include the remainder of each team's 72 games not scheduled in the first half, as well as any games postponed during the first half that can reasonably be added to the second uh, schedule. All-Star break is the schedule to take place uh, March 5th through 10th. 2021 between the first half and second half so there's the break the break is going to be all-star and there's going to be uh two halves of season i think from what it sounds like it's going to be more even than the M- the normal nba all-star break which is like really 50 games in instead yeah. of instead of 40 flat so um so that's interesting so march 5th to 10th is tentatively all-star weekend or all-star break and that's what's going to be the dividing point between the first half and the second half of the season. Josh, again, they're going to do a lot more kind of like baseball style where teams that are close to each other will play each other more than teams that are further than each other. Um, and they'll do a lot of they'll do um, a lot of back to backs and all that. Do you think that they're that they're rushing this too much and that they should have given it more time to do the to do this season, or do you think that they're they're right for doing this, for rushing this season so that the next season in 2021, 
is intact. I feel like they were rushing it, but I mean, players, do y'all like y'all money? Because if y'all didn't have it this early, y'all be losing a lot of y'all money. So I'm just saying, if this if this keep y'all y'all money, then I'm fine with it. And plus, now I don't have to have that little void when basketball is gone. I literally waited a month, and now basketball is back. So I'm personally very you, happy about it. Okay, so as a basketball fan, because I love basketball too, you know this. Why? Obviously, I podcast about basketball. <laughs> yeah. But is this something that you think of where you're like, I I didn't have enough of a break from it? Like, are you going to get fatigued of basketball? Not at all. Ball is life. I can never get sick of it. I'm, I'm getting ready to start my fantasy basketball season. I'm sending out the texts and everything, getting everybody involved for a fantasy league. I'm excited. I'm excited. Honestly, I've never did fantasy basketball. You should let me join your league. I'm, you I'm definitely a- can. There's at least one spot open. Actually, there's two spots open. All right. Sign me up for it. All right. All right. But you, you heard it first. Josh is going to be losing to me in fantasy basketball. This, I think this I might year. get Zach Levine on my fantasy team, you know. That's exactly why you're losing. <laughs> no, he's great for fantasy. He's great be, for fantasy. Perfect. But 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 it's it's real life where where it, where it gets tough for him. Oh man. Man, I'm going to meet Zach Levine one day and he's going to be a nice dude and I'm going to feel bad, but that's okay. Win 26 games. I I'm, I'm going to look that up before the next podcast we do actually. What is the most wins Zach Levine got in a season? Cuz it can't be over or under 32.5. Do you think at this point in his career, has he won 33 games in a season? Ooh. <laughs> Damn, that's tough. Uh, I'm going to have to take the under. I don't know if you too. I don't think he's won 33. His team's been garbage, though. And there's a common theme, which is him. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that, to All us, right. man. Case made. Thank you, Josh, for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate you. Um, this is fun. I love I love talking hoops with you. We do this all the time, so to do it on a podcast just just made sense, made it right. And um, yeah, I'm not gonna be I, I'm not gonna be doing a podcast on the draft, everyone. I said that at the top of this podcast. Essentially, um, I'm not I'm not. I'm not going to claim to be an expert in something that I'm not. So I don't want to give you, I want to give you guys great content and I want to give you truthful content. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to try to come off as some draft expert and say, I don't even know who the Pistons should take. That's how little I know about the draft. And that, that really speaks to volumes to the level of, um, of unpreparedness I have for the draft. So I'm not going to give you guys a draft podcast, so if you're looking for draft stuff, go tune into wherever you find great draft coverage. There's definitely great draft coverage around the league. However, Josh and I are definitely going to be back because trades are going to start happening. I don't know if Harden's going to get traded. I don't know if Westbrook's going to get traded. I would say I think both of them stay for now, but there's going to be a lot of trades in the next week and everything's going to just be crazy. Things are going to be flying off the rails. Free agency is going to be nuts, even though not a lot of teams have cap space. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a very, very, very tough um, or very fun, I should say, 
season. Very tough for the very tough for the for the front offices because they got to balance all these transactions in a in, in such a short window of like ten days. But it's gonna be fun, man. We're gonna have a lot to talk about. We surely will. We surely will. All right, everyone. Have a good night. I'll see you on the next podcast. Mm-hmm.